Produced by PI Media. Hi, I'm Ran Levy, and this is the Weeks Engineering Podcast. So there I am at the hospital with my, my newborn, my, my third one. That's Itai Zeitman, lead backend engineer at Wix. He spoke to Nate Nelson, our senior producer. So I also have my, my two other uh, kids with me. And I've been getting to some texts, you know, over the past few days. You know, I, I know that there are problems. And we are one day, you know, after, after deli- delivery, my wife is there. You know, completely beat. She's trying to recuperate. And I get a call from my manager. Itai had just experienced the birth of his child. He was with his wife and his kids in the hospital. Nothing could be better. That's when he got a phone call. The call was about basically our CI system uh, grinding to a halt. We recently made a big upgrade of the build server. And uh, things started to decline. And at that point, you know, it was, I think it was the day after the, uh, the, the birth, then things just stopped working. And we needed to understand how we're basically, uh, you know, letting people work again because they were unable to deliver at all. Now, listeners, I must admit, if my boss called me the day after my child's birth, I'd probably just not pick up the phone. Fortunately for his co-workers, Itai did pick up. Unfortunately for Itai, not 24 hours after watching his wife push a full human being out of her body, he now had another crisis to deal with. He's like, "So how's it going? Uh, how's the baby?" And you know, small talking. I'm like, okay, okay. Like, what do you need? Because we, co- because we texted already, you know, he, he said his congratulations before. And he's like, uh, listen, things are really bad. Uh, we, we don't understand what's happening and people are stuck for hours. We really need you to come in. And I was like, okay. Um, you know, and, I'm, and actually I'm literally holding the baby in my hand. You know, my uh, eldest is, is ho- holding the phone next to my ear. And then I was like, okay, let's see, let's see how I can juggle this. And then, you know, basically I called my parents, you know, they came, they, you know, spent some time there. And I, I went, you know, in the, in the afternoon to the offices and then we did a brainstorm. The VP engineering and VP R&D and, and, uh, and, and the person leading the CI at the time um, and, and, and myself were trying to brainstorm how are we going to get out of this mud? And... It was, it, it was very alarming to know, you know that people are just waiting. In this episode of our show, Itai and his engineering team attempt to shift their entire company onto a new build system. To take an old system incapable of handling the full scope of the company's needs and replace it with a new, better, bigger one from scratch. It's a very complicated, difficult maneuver. More importantly, though, Itai's story is a case study in how to effectively handle the lowest levels of a major organization's IT infrastructure. Making any significant changes to a system that supports thousands of engineers every day is, you'll see, akin to trying to pull a tablecloth out from under a set of fine china without breaking anything. Or maybe it's like giving birth. 
Except, you know, instead of a baby, you get a build server. Okay, scratch that. It's not at all like giving birth. So you had to leave the hospital. How did your wife feel about that? It's going to sound cliche, but, but I have an amazing wife. And um, basically, she, she understands. She understands. And, and the, the fact is that I'm there a lot. I leave work uh, twice a week to, to, to be with my kids. You know, I'm, I try to be very present. And so when I need to go, it's for a concrete reason. And so, you know, the, 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 this is the partnership that we have. I'm Or. Um, uh, I work at Wix uh, for uh, a little over uh, three years now. Uh, I manage uh, the build team, the CI team for uh, the dev experience uh, group. Or Shachar is a close colleague of Itai's, part of the team whose job was to deal with the Wix build system. What is a build system? When a number of developers are working on the same project, each one is responsible for certain bits and pieces. Those bits and pieces collectively make up the final software product they intend to deliver. A build system's purpose is to take these individual code pieces, verify that their dependencies are met, compile them if needed, and run automated tests. A build system is uh, uh, basically something that takes all the code of uh, the developers, and its purpose is to provide feedback to the developers on whether their code is okay, it doesn't break anything, it doesn't break itself, it doesn't break anyone else. A build system is especially important in a continuous integration environment, or CI for short. In a continuous integration environment, several developers who work on individual code pieces need to integrate their code into a single shared repository. In Wix's case, hundreds of developers could be working on the same code base, which is why for such an integration to work, the code needs to be stable and error-free. A build system is necessary to this process as it keeps everybody on the same page and prevents one person's code from disagreeing with the rest. Think of it like a traffic cop waving cars through when there's a lane, stopping them when there's a threat of a crash. When I want to change uh, uh, my code, uh, or when I want to change the, the company code, the, the organization code, I want to assume that the code that I'm starting with is stable, is green. So the goal is to keep it that way. As a back-end infrastructure developer, Nathan Silnitsky is an expert in this very technology. He's the final member of the build team we'll meet in this episode. When I heard that uh, I had the possibility to work with Itai Zeidman, I was thrilled because um, from the time um, I got to know him with my previous role, I saw that it was the perfect combination of all at once in one package. Nathan's been at his job for half a decade. In his first days, the company was using a common yet aging build infrastructure. When I got to Wix and up until we actually did the switch over to the new system, the basic system was comprised of Maven as a build tool and dependency management. And the build server environment was TeamCity. The exact roles that Maven and TeamCity played in Wix's build infrastructure are not particularly important to our story, 
but for the sake of clarity, I'll just say that Maven is the automated build tool that does the compiling, testing, etc., while TeamCity is the actual server on which these processes are done. This frees the developers from running the build process on their own local computers and has the added benefit that the build server can be configured to be identical to the production servers, which means there's less chances for bugs that stem from the differences in the configuration of the developer's own machine versus that of the production server. For a while, Pairing Apache's Maven build tool with the TimCity continuous integration server worked very well. It allowed for a quick continuous delivery of code to the company's wider code base. But then problems began to arise. What changed? Not Maven. It was the same as ever. So when I started um, at uh, Wix's backend guild in Tel Aviv, we were like, I don't know, uh, 50 people, even less, I think. And you can really easily talk to one another uh, if you needed something or the scale wasn't that big. As an employee of five years, Nathan saw his company grow substantially. It was a good thing, but growth came with its own problems. The solutions that worked for years before could no longer accommodate such scale. As more and more products uh, were created and more and more teams were created, it means that there were more um, interactions, dependencies between these teams, between these products, and the dependency trees of the code got bigger and bigger and bigger, so it really was a big problem and how to deal with all this huge dependency tree of, of this code. What sorts of complaints were the engineers having about the old system? It went from, uh, I just pushed my code and I uh, need to get my deployable and uh, uh, my build is in the queue, stuck in the queue for hours and nothing happens. Or uh, something uh, in the upstream, my module is uh, currently blocked because some module in the upstream that I depend on transitively is currently broken. So can anyone please fix it? Itai Zeidman. We're also hitting a lot of Maven limitations. We just want to be able to work. And the fact that we our feedback is now broken is something that we can't live with. You want us to deliver fast, please help us to deliver fast. All these problems, individually, weren't the end of the world. Altogether, however, it was clear. The build system was broken. So actually, usually when people say the build was broken, it means that, for example, you know, we are unable to uh, assert that the, the software still works. But what we actually had was that the build server itself was just not working. So it wasn't like the build might have been working, but no one could actually get feedback. So that's like the worst case scenario because no one can get feedback, whereas sometimes, you know, some people can get some of the feedback in. To be clear, Maven wasn't in itself bad software. It simply became an emblem of the growing need for the company to adapt to new solutions that fit their growing size. Average runs were taking 45 minutes. For a company that manages thousands of builds every day, this was unacceptable. Productivity was down, developers 
were frustrated. So levels of frustration like build up and well, I think the guild management understood, the server guild management understood that developers are hurting and development velocity is hurting. And the decision was made to see what kind of alternative we can find for Maven. A change in the build systems had to be made, but finding a replacement wouldn't be easy. Few organizations have quite so many developers working together and separately on so many different projects as Wix. I think it, it, uh, it actually affects a great deal because at a certain size you can't take you know, regular off-the-shelf uh, software. You have a lot of uh, workflows that you, that you want to cater to. Uh, and also we work in uh, a continuous integration mode. The number of companies that have gone through an infrastructure shift of such scale as we're describing in this episode is small. Therefore, the number of available solutions for such a project is quite small. But after testing a few of the options, one stood out above the rest. I remember some guy started uh, checking if uh, Basil can work for us. Or Shacha. So Basil uh, is an open source uh, build tool coming out from uh, Google. It used to be an internal tool. It is an internal tool at uh, Google called uh, Internally Blaze. Uh, the open source in 2014, the open sourced uh, uh, the, the core uh, component of it. Bazel is the publicly available iteration of a build tool, Blaze, which was designed by Google. Bazel has like a strong extension story that allows you to use the core but still add your own ecosystem and 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 i think uh the proof is that Bazel has many many uh external plugins maintained by the community unlike maven this tool uh, uh supports fine-grained build units uh source dependency correct incrementality massive parallelism you can parallelize the work you, you do locally, you can also use remote execution to have many more uh, parallel uh, um, tasks running at the same time. Perhaps more important than any specific feature was that Bazel was designed not just by, but for Google. So it was pre-made to be able to handle very large projects, Google-sized project, from Gmail to Google Surf itself, which must be constantly updated and highly fault-tolerant. This tool is what powers the day-to-day of tens of thousands of engineers inside of Google, you know, building two billion lines of code, running... I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing tens of millions, hundreds of millions of tests every day. So th- this is in a lot of aspects. This is a very battle-tested tool, and uh, they have been working on it in, you know, in various versions for more than a decade. So we were really uh, excited to be able to, you know, to take something that's, that's been distilled over a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of time and, 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 and dev years. The decision to use Bazel was finalized. But all that was just step one. Actually implementing the new system would be much more difficult than simply choosing the platform. 
each each uh, department uses software for other departments via versions and this has a host of other problems because uh, basically you get like drift of versions and tech debt and blames between the companies which we didn't want to get to and, and another thing is that we didn't want that we didn't want to lose any correctness of our build we didn't ha- want to have this trade-off of maybe just running just a subset of the test or a subset of the of the modules or not waiting to other modules to integrate in uh, we wanted to keep the build correct as well getting hundreds of developers to all follow one company-wide process change would be like trying to herd all the wildlife in a jungle into one zoo Different people on different teams, in different departments, in different locations around the world have different requirements. The one thing all the developers had in common was that they needed the freedom to temporarily continue their work on ongoing projects via the old system, even while co-workers gradually moved on to the new one. Early on, one of the bigger challenges was... how to do this transition over to Basil in a sort of gradual manner while still keeping Maven and running in production. So there was a phase where our repositories had both Maven builder script or the, the POM files and the Basil builder script or the, the, the build.basil file. And it, the, it could be built by either build systems. And we actually had two parallel build systems. Itai Zeidman again. big part of why we took so long is because we wanted to allow people to continue to deliver or at least most people to deliver regularly while we keep on uh, adding more and more bits and uh, basically polishing the experience my guess is that we could have pulled the switch a lot sooner and then just say okay you know what we'll just have a few months of people trying to adjust uh, but uh, because of the, the the velocity focus then we really wanted to, uh, to build a side-by-side solution this side-by-side solution was both the solution to the other problems and its own kind of problem some portion of the company's developers would move more quickly to basil while others would stay behind longer and yet everyone's code had to ultimately agree here's Nathan Silnitsky this interim period was quite hard because you still had a lot of uh, maven dependencies and um, it was kind of painful because you already also had the growing pains of working with Basil. One of the uh, developers at Wix compared it to changing the engines of airplanes while they're in flight. I started alone in, uh, in, in a small attic, hidden away, because um, I, basically I didn't want people to fight me so that I can focus on the actual project. Until I did that, I, there were a few months I was supposed to be on the project, but I was sitting in the main offices and then people just took me like, and used, used me for various uh, help and consultation. So I just, I, I went away. Um, you know, after I, I started alone for a few months, then, then, then Or joined, and then a few months later, like uh, another developer joined, and then we grew and grew until we uh, united with the existing CI team. And, and the whole group uh, and grew some more to you know the, the guild system at, at Wix is, uh, is is very very robust and uh, the backend guild decided that this is part of the strategic 
abilities of Wix, being able to have like a, a really fast feedback loop. And so we put as many people as we could from other places to help with, with this effort. And some people returned to their companies and some people stayed because they, they loved the challenge and the domain and the people. And, and the group grew to something like uh, 15, 20 people. Even with 15 or 20 people, the transition from Maven to Basil was a lot of complicated work. Maven and Basil are fundamentally unlike one another. Nathan Silnitsky. I specifically at that point was in charge of all the third-party dependencies aspect of the migrator because with Basil, the third-party dependency mechanism is completely different than the way it is with Maven. So there was the challenge of seeing how to do this translation correctly in, in our multi-repo environment. The company had to migrate its entire code base from one to the other. But Basil could not simply interpret what was designed in Maven. It would be like sending an English novel to someone who speaks Chinese. Sure, both people in the interaction can understand language, but you need a mechanism for translating that language in the transition process. Of course, translating a full novel, let alone an entire anthology, which might be a better analogy for the Wix codebase, requires lots of tedious work. This is why a migrated tool was needed. Or Shachal. So it was very clear to us in the very early stage that we needed to be done automatically. We needed a tool to understand the relationship between the, the different files, the different uh, uh, source files in the repository and the external dependencies. The automatic migration, migrator tool from Maven to Bazel, we decided to call Exodus. Exodus was the key that allowed Maven to transition to Bazel. That's Exodus. <laughs> the, uh, it saves you time to do, to do stuff manually. And we tried to automate most of the work because if we needed to write this uh, manually, it would take us, I don't know how much. Exodus had one simple function, to take the Wix codebase as input and output that information in the form of Bazel build scripts. It did so by first analyzing the Maven setup, then developing a dependency graph which quickly translates files in the Maven configuration towards the Bazel configuration. Now the transition was finally in full swing. But problems still came in left, right, and center. Like how, as effective as it was, Exodus wasn't perfect. And not everybody found it easy to adapt to Bazel. The automatic process had limitations, right? So they probably got like 80% of the build targets compiled pretty fast and it's probably the same ratio for tests. But then you had the more exotic test cases, the more exotic uh, compilation issues, stuff like uh, using uh, Spring XML beans that the migrator couldn't really know about because it's not part of the Maven uh, dependency structure. So it was kind of blind to that. So there was more manual work in that area. So all kinds of of, um, 
small exotic places in the code that were needed to tackle manually. This wasn't a very uh, fun thing to do. And then, you know, our hearts went out to those people. We tried to help them as much as we could. And for them, it wasn't that, uh, you know, pain-free. There were so many little different ways that people write code and, and do stuff. And it was really sometimes the wild, wild, wild west here with uh, the way they created the, their test, in, test environments and run tests. That was quite a challenge. Yeah, that was a big challenge because people had... It was a, a, a big change. A, a lot of it, again, is tech debt, right? People didn't know they had problems. And most of the time, or some, some instances, had problems only rarely, and they didn't know about that. It's easy in discussing the finer technical details of replacing build systems to forget just how massive an undertaking this is. We're not talking about something that occurs overnight or over the course of a few weeks or months. We began when a phone call came to Itai as he was in the hospital with his newborn baby. He spent the next few months working on the early stages of a system shift, mostly out of his attic. The team expanded. They shopped and tested new build tools and consulted with experts at other major companies. They chose a tool, and in order for it to work, actually developed their own application from scratch to translate their existing code base to the new format. Then they finally began moving the entire company's code base while still maintaining the old one just for convenience. The project took, like, a, it, it depends on where you count, but it took something like three years. Right, like to move and, 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 and put an end to, uh, to our existing uh, build tool for, for the entire backend uh, developers. It took uh, three years. Three years. In the time it took Itai's team to transfer weeks to Basil, Itai's newborn learned how to walk and process full sentences. We know of other places that it took a year, two years. It very much depends on what are the gains that you're trying to achieve, how many developers you have, how much code you have. We have, a, we have a lot of code, we have a lot of developers, and we really wanted to make an investment that will pay off when Wix is five times and ten times uh, bigger, uh, code-wise and, and, and developer-wise. Part of what we did was not only change the build tool from Maven to Bazel, we actually built a complete new build system comprised of the build server, the deployment mechanism. Our previous solution actually made you only have one build on master at the time, and so people had to wait, and we were thinking, okay, how can we build a solution that people don't have to wait? We don't have any locks and people can, can just flow indefinitely. And this is why we said we are going for the full Monty. We're trying to build a robust system that will take us uh, you know, forward. Luckily, they went for the full Monty and they pulled it off. It changed everything. It's, it's like suddenly you get real deterministic builds across Wix which are very, very fast, much, much faster if you don't have uh, Maven involved. The side-by-side -side Maven with Bazel solution worked exactly as intended. Even with hiccups along the way, it meant that the important work Itai and his team were doing hadn't conflicted with the important work other employees of the company were doing elsewhere. One really strong feature that we had is once we uh, started onboarding uh, developers, 
uh, is that we we told them you can decide where you deploy from. You can deploy from the old system, from the new system, and this is just a self-service toggle where you can toggle on and back off. And people were very excited about this because it gave them the confidence to deploy whenever they needed. And if they saw problems, then they could just revert you know, not be blocked by their deliveries and go back to it again. And we, and we gave them a few months to be able to do this situation. This was really, really meaningful. Exodus, despite its shortcomings, saved remarkable amounts of time. So the Migrator tool quite easily and successfully and quickly got the Bazel configuration outputs. But that, that part was pretty easy for most of the repositories. In fact, it's because Exodus was so useful that it's now developed a second life in the wider developer community. I spoke in quite a lot of, of uh, conferences uh, in 2019. I got a lot of uh, reach outs from people say, I have 400 Maven modules. It's really slowing me down. I'm really interested. And I did see quite a lot of people try out uh, the Migrator. And uh, we got some bug issues opened, which I'm glad to uh, always uh, help fix. What lessons should we take away from your guys' story about how developers can face serious issues of scaling and then implement company-wide infrastructure successfully? Well, I have a whole talk about it. Uh, but uh, no, the, the, the bottom line is uh, take it uh, step by step to not break the current system uh, while building a, a, a new system. Think big, think outside of the, of, of the box, outside of what you know, uh, explore, uh, think about other companies that you wanna grow into or, or uh, what size you will become and, uh, and do it right. Yeah, so um, so I'll, I'll, I'll agree and, and disagree with Or. So I think I'll, I'll agree with Or about thinking outside the box, talking to, co- to other companies, learning from them, while understanding that their solution is their solution and, and you need to find your own. Uh, about do it right, then I say uh, do it wrong. Expect, expect to fail <laughs> like a, a few times. Um, a few more things is, is collaborate. First of all, inside the organization, if you can collaborate with people, get their buy-in, it will be much easier because a lot of times these journeys are hard. They take time. People suffer in the existing solution. If you have buy-in, people are much, uh, much more inclined you know, to wait to, to help you. People actually gave their people to this effort so that it can come faster because they knew we were on the same boat together because I, I gave them updates because I was trying to be as transparent as possible. You know, sometimes I succeeded, sometimes I failed, but this was definitely an objective to, to keep people in the loop. Itai Zeidman and the Wix backend engineering team succeeded in the end as a result of thousands of hours of dedicated research, problem solving, and sheer manual labor. Had they not sought the help of those that came before, listening to the advice of engineers at Facebook, adopting Google's build tool, it probably would have taken more than three years with a lot more setbacks and difficult work. If you're an engineer facing a situation as monumental as this, hopefully our podcast has given you at least a little fuel to go on. 
because while Itai, Oren, Nathan all work for the same company, it's not really out of a sense of duty to their managers or shareholders that they dedicated three years of their lives to this project. It's not because this is their job. It's because this is what they do. These guys are engineers. They're built to tackle hard problems and push the limits of our technology just a little bit further than it would have otherwise been. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. The Wix Engineering Podcast is produced by PI Media, written by Nate Nelson, produced by Guy V. Noon, and narrated and edited by me, Ran Lev. Special thanks to Morad Stern from Wix. See you again next episode. Bye-bye. For more engineering insights, follow Wix Engineering's blog, YouTube, Twitter, and subscribe to their newsletter.